0: 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard! This is Zazlo Show 2.0. Hey everyone, so we're on vacation this week, but I wanted to make sure that we still put out Zaslo Show 2.0, so we have interviews that we've recorded that we'll have for you each day this week, and today we're going to get into some Dolphins football, some training camp action. It's obviously a Dolphin game week, you got Dolphins and Falcons this week, preseason week number one, this weekend Zach Thomas was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, our pal Travis Wingfield, Dolphins Drive Time podcast, you hear him on the pre- and the post-game show for Dolphins Radio Network. And we get a little Dolphins update from him today. All guests on zazlo Show 2.0 are brought to us by the official beer of the show, Johnny Cuba. You can pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba right now. Your local Sedano's, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco y Mas. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. You know that's the beer of choice here on zazlo Show 2.0. It's the only beer we keep in the Zaslow Mansion. Remember, to always drink responsibly. And, of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay to Don Quilo. And, hey, it's a Miami Dolphins game week. Dolphins-Falcons preseason game number one. Joining us here, host of the uh, Miami Dolphins Drive Time podcast. Also, pre- and post-game, I Heart Dolphins. You'll hear him this week. We got Travis Wingfield joining us here. Hey, Travis, thanks a lot for hanging out with us, man. I appreciated him. Uh, look, uh, can you... In your time with the Dolphins, it probably, you know, has not measured up, but how far back do you have to go to say this team is, uh, they're hyped up this year? The expectations are the highest it's ever been since, when would you say?
1: Just... Based on the talent on the roster, and look, everything on paper is what it is, right? It's on paper. But I go back to the 2002 team when they had, was it eight Pro Bowlers that year? I mean, you look at right now, the top 100 list in the NFL, I think the Dolphins are going to have six players on that when that's all said and done. So you're pretty close to that measurement there. And then you have a handful of guys that are kind of in that position early in their rookie contracts to potentially take that step and become, you know, household names like a Javon Hollander or Jalen Phillips or even a Cater Co who has been awesome in camp all, all summer long so far. So, to to me, 0-2, that team was pretty loaded defense and running game. This team built a little bit differently, but lots of talent on paper, man. I'm excited to see it all play out here this uh, come this September.
0: Was that oh two team the team with the super high expectations and loss to the Texans opening day?
1: No, that was oh three. That this was uh oh. Ricky Williams' first year okay. when they traded for him to kind of complement that defense. And you know, back then, like a defense and running game was kind of the way you built your team in a lot of ways, but uh, it didn't work out for that team in the end because I think the losing streak towards the end of the year
0: and uh, a bad week
1: 17 in New England that cost me a chance in the playoffs.
0: Uh, oh, that's right. And that was week 16 was at Minnesota. Week 17 yeah. was at New England. And if the Dolphins won those two games, they would have finished with 10 wins, which, believe it or not, was going to be good enough to get the first round by, if I'm remembering that correctly, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, that I'm pretty was a rough year.
1: sure that's might have been more than 10 wins. I think, I think they were nine and seven. So they might have had 11 wins. But Maybe yeah, they would have been 11. they on something there. Yeah. And that was the famed uh, lobster trap game as well, the, the Minnesota game. So uh, bring oh, up some, and some the old stars,
0: <laughs> And the Minnesota game, uh, the Dolphins were in control, and Olinda, Olinda Omari kicked the kickoff uh-huh. out of bounds, and the yep. Vikings got the ball in the 40, and and Culpepper drove them for the winning drive. Oh, that was a brutal final couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, had the snowballs week 17 in New England. Teddy Bruschi, I think it was, with the interception back against the goal line. Oh, terrible. But you're right that that could have been the last time that expectations were this high. It's like this Dolphins offense Travis and and we'll talk about what you've seen in in training camp so far, but I feel like after what we saw last year and now you got the coach going into year number 2, this Dolphins offense, it they better be like top 2 or 3 offense in the NFL, right? That's got to be the expectation.
1: Yeah, With all the attrition last year at offensive line and, of course, the most important position in the sport, quarterback, you still wind up as the number six overall offense in the NFL. I think that's kind of the baseline expectation when you think about the additions they've made along the offensive line. There's a lot more depth this year, lots more veteran experience to compete with a couple of guys that, you know, we'll see how the, the starting five rounds out, but I think you just have, you have seven, eight, nine guys on the roster this year that have played and played at a good level in this league. So you feel better about the overall depth there. And then obviously it goes back to two is that. So like, I mean, I've just watched another camp practice, just, re- just finish that up. And, he looks he looks as good as he ever has. The ball's coming out quickly. It's coming out with more velocity. He's dropping the arm angle, putting the ball all over the field to multiple options. He's he had a no-look pass in today's practice that kind of got oohs and ahs from the crowd. Just really looks like he's in complete command of the offense, total ownership of his, you know, his professional career and the offseason training to get himself in a position to, you know, hopefully last the entire season because I think if you ask pretty much anybody out there if Tua plays the entire year, the the sky's limit for the offense and of course what that means for the team too. So keeping Tua upright, that's key. Number one, if I do that, it's going to be a fun year for the dolphins. I think
0: he's bigger this year than last Mm -hmm. year, right? Like it's so, I mean, how, how, how much bigger are we talking about?
1: He's listed at 227 and he's not, I mean, he's a six foot tall guy. So it's, he's pretty compactly built. He's always had that, you know, that thick lower half, the big calf muscles that everyone talks about, uh, which I think is to me is really what his game generates from is that lower half where he kind of, can, you know, spin the football and the footwork and everything that makes him get off the spot quickly. Just everything looks a little better. McDaniel mentioned that at a press conference last week about, uh, you know, the the core strength and the ability to kind of be more short area, explosive and better, uh, bag of arsenal or pitch arsenal that he has in his tool bag at this point. So it's it's a natural progression for a player. You know, fourth year, he's, he's kind of heading into that mid-20s portion of his career where you start to see the the real prime of his life, right? And I think you're seeing that materialize, especially coming off the, you know, the major hip injury he had his first year coming into the league. Just a slow progression to this point that I think really puts him in the best position to really succeed this year.
0: How much do you think we could expect to see him play in the preseason?
1: A great question. Uh he he mentioned that he'll obviously do what the coaches ask of him uh last year, no action in game one, which I, I think the assumption would be that's the same script this year, but you never know. And then kind of got some pretty good run in that second game when we saw him as well in game number three, I think, for for a brief moment. So if it's the same script as last year, you know, a couple series here and there, but I think you can make the argument that he's you know more comfortable and knows the offense more to play less, which fans maybe don't want to hear that. But I, my guess would be same amount, if not a little bit less.
0: Tell me what you've seen so far, Travis, from the rookies, okay? Uh, I want to hear about a Shane. I want to hear about Cam Smith on the other side of the football. What have we seen from them so far?
1: Yeah, after practice wrapped up uh, last week, uh, last Friday, I tweeted about Cam Smith maybe having the most pass breakups of any player I've seen in a training camp, and this is my fifth camp here covering the team. uh, He just finds a way to get his hands on the football every single day, uses that length, and he's just really – really instinctive and understands what he's seeing in front of him. And I think that puts him in a position to to drive on the ball and then use that length and, and ball skills to to put his hands on the football. Hasn't We haven't seen him catch a pick yet, but he is getting really close every single day, really just makes plays in the ball. And then Devon Chain, I thought on that same Friday practice, had his best day of, of camp so far, where he just really showed the elusiveness and the speed. But what really gets me is the way he understands just the flow of the play, reading his blocks, and he can kind of condense things in tight to the formation, and that you know will force the defense to take steps downhill. And all of a sudden, he gets out the backside, and that speed opens up, and you see it every single day. And so those two guys have made big impacts. We've seen a little bit of Elijah Higgins, the sixth round draft pick, get some work at the tight end position and then some Ryan Hayes as well. So there's been some good competition there. But those top two guys, if I had to guess, will be impactful players in their rookie seasons.
0: Sorry to break up the conversation here, guys, but I gotta tell you, you know, if you have a water leak in your home and you can't find where it's coming from, you gotta call or text Water Cleanup of Florida, 954 900 8635. My boys, the Greensteins, they have over 60 years of combined experience at Water Cleanup of Florida. Their team is prepared to handle all and any type of leak detection issue. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired... Water Cleanup of Florida cleans, dries, and fully restores the damaged areas. Fully licensed, insured, Water Cleanup of Florida is certified to provide that one-stop shopping. All of us busy business owners and homeowners require no need to bring in other contractors. Water Cleanup of Florida handles the entire project from start to finish. They service the entire Tri-County area, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties. Call or text Water Cleanup of Florida right when you know something might be a problem. 954-900-8635, WCUFL.com. Water Cleanup of Florida, we clean up your schmutz. Training camp's always a weird thing to me in the sense of, you know, you mentioned there, haven't seen Cam Smith actually pull down an interception yet. And it's like, do we want to see Cam Smith pull down interceptions? Because then that means that Tua threw an interception. Or do we want Tua to just... Like, like who, do, who do we root for out there? You want the offense to move the ball. You want the defense to stop and not allow them to go anywhere. So, how, like, how do you judge what's going on out there? It's
1: really tough when you don't have like the script in front of you, right? And no one gets that besides the players and the coaches. And I think that we've actually gotten some pretty good commentary from both coach and the players on this this year, kind of about how they evaluate practice, which to me is how we should evaluate practice too. And it's that it's not necessarily results based. Like you talk about the interception, good example, two threw an interception and in one-on-ones the other day where he had, I think it was chosen was the receiver and X was all over him. But rather than eat the play and just not throw it, let's put it up there and give him a chance and X picked it off. So it's like, it goes as a pick in the books, but I'm certain that Tua knows better than to make that throw in a game situation. So you kind of have to just see, I guess, technique, the way guys move and results are fun and everything. But at the end of the day, Results in training camp, I mean, they're trying new stuff. They're they're trying to get looks against a defense that maybe gives that particular look. They have an issue. So you're not in a game situation where results are what matters. It's more about the the bigger picture and how guys look on a day-to-day basis, I guess.
0: It's so weird. It's like Tua was dealing out there today. Like, okay, cool. Does that mean our defense sucks? You know, (laughs) it's it's such a weird dichotomy how we're supposed to judge these things. Uh, You mentioned chosen there. All right, what's his name? Is he Chosen Anderson? Is he Robbie Chosen? What's the official name? What are we calling him?
1: Let me check just to be sure. I got Robbie Chosen here on the depth chart, so that's what we're going with. Okay, Um, yeah. He's, he, yeah, he got loose for a deep ball from Tua again on that same Friday. I talked about, uh, I think probably the biggest completion so far of camp, he got behind a defense and Tua dropped it in there. So you see that speed that he, he offers. And I think the biggest part about his game that you go back to his time with the Panthers or jets or, you know, wherever he was before this, uh, the, his, his ability to get vertical from that inside position in the slot was really what made him kind of a unique player in terms of inside speed and how he can run routes from that position. Um, you know, he, this offense requires you to play all the positions at receiver. And so you see him line up all over the field, but uh, yeah, it hasn't been very involved in the team portions, but when you see him get behind the defense, you can see the way that kind of, you know, impacts the rest of the coverage and the the way that Tua can, you know, get through more space in the underneath part of the field, because Robbie has that speed that can take the top off the defense, just like Tyreek and Jalen.
0: What did you, what did you make of the decision? It didn't come as a surprise to anyone. The decision not to keep Mike Gasicki. Is that just, is that just a sign that Mike McDaniel's offense, th- like his skill set, super pass-catching tight end. That's that's not a fit for this kind of offense. Like, are we going to see more of that, where the tight end isn't as heavily involved as far as the pass catching goes?
1: Yeah, I think you have to attach in line and go block a linebacker in the running game. We just that was that was never Mike's game. Like he he did his best to to really you know work at it, and I thought he got a lot better throughout the course of his career. But that just wasn't his game, and so you see, you know, Durham Smythe out-snapped him last year, that is Durham's game. That's a little more Eric Saubert's game as well. So I think that you're just looking for more, like you talk about the fit and the system. And you know it's kind of cool the way the offense operates because you you don't think about it in terms of number one, two, three, four receiver, number one, two, three tight end. It's like, we have these certain roles, these certain packages we want to fulfill, and they can mix and match a running back, a receiver, a tight end. So I I think the room was kind of constructed or the offense in general kind of constructed around the idea that, Tyreek and Jalen are going to get their targets. Why would you not put the ball in their hands? And we can kind of figure out the rest of the you know kind of almost role players in a way the rest of the way down the roster, whether that's running backs in the passing game, the tight ends, or or whether it's an Eric Azukama in his his uh, second season. So plenty of options. But end of the day, Zaslav, I, I think you should see 225 targets go to Tyreek and Jalen, and then figure the rest out from there.
0: Yeah. Do you uh do you notice any difference this year, year number two, the way he runs training camp, the head coach?
1: You know, we got a little more 7 on 7 early on which was not the case last year but it's kind of gone away here in week number 2 of practice. Um officials came out around the same time so that's not new. You know, not really. It's it's a a lot of 11 on 11 which you know, if you want to get better at playing football, what better way to do that than playing football? So we get plenty of that. I do appreciate how when the fans are out here for the open practices to the public that he tends to do one-on-ones right in front of those fans, which is a kind of a tip to the fan base here a little bit to just kind of give them a show to watch. But um, no, not really much of a change just in terms of, you know, watching from the stands. But uh, in, in general, I think coach a little, just a little better, a little better feel for the job, a little more confident. And, and that was never short with coach, but I uh, just think that there's everyone kind of feels a little more dialed in, a little more tuned in here in year two.
0: Let's talk about... Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard here. So obviously it's it's a huge bummer with Jalen Ramsey. And hopefully he'll be back at some point in the season. But I'm not crushed. Me personally as a Dolphin fan, I'm not crushed by the loss of Jalen Ramsey because here's the way I choose to view it. They don't have to replace Jalen Ramsey. They've yeah. never had Jalen Ramsey, okay? And so there's that aspect of it. It's not like, oh man, we lost Jalen Phillips or we lost Christian Wilkins or even Bradley Chubb. We've literally never had Jalen Ramsey, so they don't have to replace him. But also, what adds to that is Xavier Howard apparently is healthy, and Xavier Howard apparently looks good. And if Xavier mm-hmm. Howard is going to get back to being Xavier Howard, then instead of actually missing Jalen Ramsey, we can just look forward to when Jalen Ramsey joins the team
1: it's it's almost like you would get with a baseball team at the trade deadline who drops in like that big-time starter who just comes in and every fifth day you know he's going to give up one or two runs and give you seven innings. And, I you know, I think that McDaniel was on, I want to say NFL Network with Cam Wolf, and he was talking about how, you know, we didn't go get Jalen Ramsey because we needed a corner. We got Jalen Ramsey because he's a playmaker. And that that really resonated with me because his role, I think, was probably going to be pretty expansive in terms of where he lines up and, you know, almost like a matchup uh, eraser on the defensive side of the football. And the guy is so dang good at taking the ball away. But you mentioned X. X looks really good, fully healthy this year, ready to go. Cater Kohu, who I thought was exceptional as a rookie looks even better than that so far. Cam Smith has looked good as well. So the cornerback depth, you add Eli Apple looks good, but you know, you talk about obviously losing Ramsey hurts, but I get what you're saying because I, I think that there's players that would kind of have a bigger domino effect on your team if you lost them at this point, but anytime you lose a playmaker like that, it hurts, but his, his uh, presence and leadership, and he's been out here every day at practice coaching the guys up. And it's been cool to see the way he's really bonded the program. It just kind of speaks to the kind of, I think the chemistry this team has so far.
0: How about the linebackers, you know, uh, and specifically Bradley Chubb, I was talking to SiriusXM XM, NFL radios, Alex Marvez last week, and and, you know, he was at Dolphins camp and he mentioned the conversation that he had with Bradley Chubb, how Chubb told, told them that he, he was not comfortable last year. He was not himself. And I liked hearing that because I don't want him to feel like he was himself last year. You know, they, they traded for him. They gave up a lot. They gave him the big money. And we didn't get the production we thought we were going to get, so I'm I'm glad that he knows that was not acceptable. So what what do we expect from Bradley Chubb now in in this defense with Vic Fangio?
1: Yeah, I, I think that this year's defense, you know, just based upon Vic's past, Vic Fangio's past, is it doesn't blitz as much as the previous defense did. And I think you put a lot more on your two edge guys to really go out there and get after the quarterback. And for Chubb and Phillips last year, it it, it was such an interesting debate in terms of what's the value of pass rush because they were so close so much, which impacts the play. But then if the coverage doesn't hold up, the ball gets completed or, you know, the quarterback's able to get rid of the ball, then you don't see the the big negative plays and the big splash plays. So in the box score doesn't show up that way, but you still feel the way they impact the game. I think, uh, you know, better, you know, more sound coverage that forces the quarterback to hold the ball in the back end can turn those pressures and hits into quarterback sacks and specifically to Bradley Chubb, yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's spot on. He looks really good out here, had the orange jersey last week in practice, and he just continues to find a way to get around the edge and, you know, do multiple things. He's a big, long dude, so he can impact the passing lanes as well. You know, he's kind of a stand-up-and-swat-the-ball-down type of guy. Uh, really good job against the run. Him He likes to kind of win inside a lot of times, then get back outside against the run. It's impressive to watch because like you're thinking, oh no, the edge is gone, but then he, he peels back out and there's number two set in the strong edge. So he looks to me like a guy that's going to play a lot of snaps, him and Phillips off the edge. And I think that Fangio can really rely on those two guys. And No, I don't have to send extra rushers because both Chubb and Phillips were so good at winning one-on-ones. It's going to impact the opposing passing games timing a lot.
0: I'll get right back to the conversation here in a second, but if you're in the market for a new car, maybe you can't decide where to go. Hey, That's not a problem. I'm sending you to the only car dealership... I personally endorse, yeah, we're talking North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you're going to see the widest inventory of newest Subaru models on the market. Whatever you're looking for, maybe you're looking for something spacious, an SUV for the family, maybe you're just looking for a Subaru sedan for your daily commute. Whatever you're looking for, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru is sure to have the perfect model for you. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, we're talking the North Fort Lauderdale Subaru Promise. That's guaranteed most money for your trip. three-day exchange policy you're out the door 90 minutes or less after you say yes a hundred percent credit approval lifetime vehicle warranty you could shop right now nflsubaru.com north fort lauderdale subaru conveniently located on north andrews avenue just north of cypress creek road the building you know and the place to go nflsubaru.com north fort lauderdale subaru now uh NFL preseason week one, we're in the midst of here. But looking at the Dolphins' schedule, like, what do you make of their schedule? I especially think the first half of the season, uh, I think it's a pretty favorable schedule, Travis. What do you make of, like, I, I think this team has to get off to a hot start because I, I think those there are a lot of winnable games early on.
1: Yeah, especially all those those first four games in conference, right? Against probably a couple of those teams going to be competing with you for seeding late in the year. Like the Charger game, I think, is a big one, obviously going to Buffalo. It, I mean, you know, I, I would say Miami is probably going to be, yeah, I, I use the term favorite, in, in two, at least two of those four games to start off with. And if they can get those and maybe steal one of the other three, other two, then a three and one start heading into a stretch against a couple of teams that are you know coming off of uh, rougher seasons last year, yeah. but that stretch against Philly and K- and KC I think is going to be a good midseason test for where this team is. Uh, yeah, it's I mean the the funny thing about schedule and strength of schedule every year is like we always say oh this team has a tough schedule, but you know, typically it's, it's the same as your competitors. Like the dolphins and bills have almost the exact same schedule stands, you know, two games or three games, whatever it is now. But yeah, I am with you. I think it's, there's a good mix of of teams that challenge you in different ways. I'm looking at it right now. That's why I'm looking off camera, yeah. a, a good mix of, of teams that challenge you in different ways. And I think that it's going to really test the dolphins ability to, you know, be multiple and find multiple ways to win where you can win a game with defense. You can win a game with, with a passing game, with the running game. I think this team has the opportunity. They have a good chance to prove that early on.
0: So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Mike McDaniel here, Travis, you know, McDaniel, I, I thought he had a terrific rookie season. Now, yes. Were there spots, especially late in the season uh, where, you know, he, he deserves some criticism. Absolutely. But here's the thing. And, and it's, it's weird how I feel like coaches don't get the benefit of the doubt in this spot. When, when a, a rookie quarterback, high expectations, he doesn't have a great year. It's always, okay, he's going to need time to grow. He's going to get better year two, year three, year four. We saw it with Tua. Why don't we do that with coaches? Like, why why do rookie coaches have to be a finished product? Like, why wouldn't we also assume the same thing where, yeah, Mike McDaniel had a pretty good rookie season, and did he make some mistakes? Definitely. But why wouldn't he also continue to get better?
1: Especially in a job where you've never done that job before, right? Like, a quarterback was always a quarterback. Before they were a rookie, they were a quarterback in college, high school, all that stuff. But for McDaniel to go from, you know, uh, Running backs coach, running game coordinator to offensive coordinator to now a head coach. This is the first time you're in charge of the practice schedule, in charge of, you know, what I don't know, the uniform they're going to wear that day, like whatever those little minute details are, you have to take on this massive, you know, responsibility where all of a sudden you're delegating. And, you know, I, the thing I liked about Coach McDaniel was his candor and how, you know, open he was about some of the things that were new to him. And he came to the podium, I think it was in OTAs earlier this spring and was like, I, I've got a list of a, a million things I can get better at. And I, that's, that's, the, the accountability of that with coach is what makes me appreciate him so much is that I know that he's going to put his best foot forward to make sure those are improvements, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think the, uh, the cut and bait on in this league is a little bit too quick with that position with quarterbacks. And I think giving people the opportunity to grow and learn, I feel like I'm doing my best podcasting and you're number four here's aslo. So I think that I've grown a lot here with the organization, but uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like patience sometimes is a virtue.
0: Of course, the podcast hosted by Travis is the drive time podcast. Uh, and of course, you could also hear him pregame, postgame, postgame, Seth Levitt as well, OJ McDuffie, the guys from the Fish Tank, and those games are now on iHeart, which is important for everybody to note. They are now on iHeart this season. The Miami Dolphins broadcast AFC East. Travis, uh, give me some quick thoughts on the other three teams. I'll tell you from my perspective. I think the Patriots are going to stink. I think Mac Jones is, <laughs> is the worst starting quarterback in the league. Uh, I, I think the I think the Bills are certainly going to be good. And I, I don't think things are going to work out for the Jets the way they think they are. Your thoughts?
1: I think we're we're pretty much in lockstep on most of those opinions. I'm not going to repeat it on the air here, but I, I do think it comes down to Miami and Buffalo. I think that the Jets, uh, obviously, much better. The quarterback position upgrade they made is is going to have a big impact for them. But you you wonder how quickly it comes together for them in in terms of just you know the the the, uh, the chemistry and, and everything kind of falling in place. And I think they produced a depth chart the other day and like. You know, I look at their offensive line it's there, a couple of guys, I think Makai Becton's is trying to work his way back to De- Dwayne Brown's trying to work his way back. They got to get that solidified because that was the problem in Green Bay last year and Rodgers took a bunch of hits and just wasn't the same quarterback. So get the offensive line solidified and maybe they can have a chance to make a run here. But yeah, I think it comes down to Miami and Buffalo and uh, that's kind of how you want it, right? Because uh, those, those fan bases definitely go after each other a little bit and it's going to be fun this year. Week 18, that game in Miami might be for, for a lot of, a uh, lot of seating in the playoffs this year.
0: Some quick thoughts on Zach Thomas, Hall of Famer now. Uh, he was my favorite player on those Dolphin teams. I, you know, I've, I've been shouting it from the rooftops for years leading up to him finally getting the nod. Uh, give me some thoughts on Zach Thomas here, which, which is kind of the he's he's the last, I guess, uh, uh, the last connection to to those Dolphin teams, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. It could be the last Hall of Famer for quite a while here that we, yeah. we see go in. But I think I think everyone knows about the on-field acumen. I'll tell you a quick story that just kind of tells you the kind of guy Zach is, because he came in here for a press, for a press conference a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I've met him once. I, the one time I met him was at the DCC event where a hundred fans are trying to get autographs and pictures with him. And this was back in February. So now we're here in the month of, I think it was in July when it happened. Um, and he, he comes up to me after the fact and says, like, Travis, thanks for being here. I'm like, How did you remember my name? Like I'm just a nobody that you met at DCC alongside, like or alongside like a thousand other fans. So just the kind of guy he is, the way he remembers things, and you know, I I think Channing told a story on the radio the other day about how uh, Zach saw something on a a team meeting where like none of the other coaches saw that part of the play that Zach saw. So just the football acumen, the way he saw the game, that's how he is in life too with people, and it's what makes him such a great, a great human, a great player, and everyone down here loves him for that.
0: Before we let you go here, guys, we're wrapping up today's show. Hey, maybe you're wrapping up your day wherever you are. Maybe it's time to go to sleep. I don't know what you're doing, but if it is time to go to sleep, you're not going to have the best sleep unless you're sleeping on the softest sheets. You know I'm talking about sheets and giggles. That's right. Sheets and giggles, sustainable eucalyptus sheets. They're naturally softer, Cooler, more breathable than anything you've ever slept on. The Zaslow family, all of us, we have sheets and giggles. Those are the bed sheets we use now and forever. Since sheets and giggles jumped on board Zaslow Show 2.0 about four or five months ago, you may see me on YouTube.com slash at Zazlo showing like, wow, Zazlo, you look so well rested. You look so good. Why is that? It's because I'm now one of over a hundred thousand Americans who are sleeping on Sheets and Giggles. It's one less thing I have to worry about. The only place that I ever have to go now to get my bed sheets, SheetsGiggles.com. My man Colin, the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, he did it. He did it. We're all having the best sleeps of our lives now. And if you're not getting sheets and giggles sheets for your bed just yet you're not getting the best kind of sleep Sheetsgiggles.com. dot com again sheetsgiggles.com. dot com excellent job Travis tell everybody how they can catch the drive time podcast and of course hearing you during dolphin games
1: yeah I appreciate you like you mentioned the pre and post game show on iHeartRadio me Seth and Juice and the post game show I'll be doing a segment with Steve Goldstein on the pre game show as well and then the drive time podcast this is my super Bowl this time of year training camp pumping out podcast every day they're on the field And then some bonus episodes as well. Follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Check out the written notebook every day on MiamiDolphins.com. Very busy man this time of year, aslo.
0: Great job, Travis. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate you.